0: That's why what we're doing is so important because what we need is our kids to have the the good ideas and the ability to present them well.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So two weeks ago, Andrew, (laughs) we said we were going to talk about advanced essay writing. But then we met Marie and had a great conversation about her and teaching autistic children using IEW. And it was so good and it was so important that I hope our listeners will forgive us that we're doing the advanced essay podcast just a week later. So here we are. Hey. So you, in the last podcast where we were talking about essays, Unit 8, you gave the persuasive model. It is the basic five-paragraph Unit 8 model, but it's a little different. And I I think this is kind of unique to our system. So I I wanted you to start right there and spend some time talking about the persuasive model. Why do we do it a little bit differently?
0: Right. Well, this is what I learned from Webster, and what he was teaching. And I think that the term persuasive writing or persuasive essay is defined differently by different people. Mm -hmm. And so what I've tried to do is maybe make a distinction between an argumentative essay, which is kind of an exercise, a rhetorical exercise, and then a persuasive essay, which would actually have a better chance of accomplishing what it's purporting to do, which is to shift someone's opinion. Mm -hmm. So there are some programs out there that would define a persuasive essay where you, in the introduction, state your thesis or the thing that you want to prove, and then you would give the supporting information. You would possibly give a refutation. You would anticipate possible objections, um, and then you would, in the end, argue all the evidence weighs in favor of me being right, of this being true, of this being correct, Mm -hmm. and call that a persuasive essay. The problem comes, and this is what Webster pointed out to me many years ago, is that if you're really trying to persuade someone to change an opinion, then you have to be a little more strategic because if you say what your opinion is right up front in the introduction, at the get-go, people are going to immediately either agree or disagree with that. Now, if it's not something that is an issue, if it's just something nobody really cares about, then okay, fine. But if it's something nobody really cares about or has a difference of opinion, then it's not a persuasive essay right? or an argumentative one. It's, it's more of an exercise in supporting an argument we all Agree. Mm -hmm. But if there's a difference of opinion about something, then that's where the strategy becomes necessary. Right. So let's take a a certain particular issue.
1: Well, I like the example that you give to teenagers because it relates to them. Right.
0: It kind of hits them. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, you know, if I'm teaching a group of teenagers, I say, so let's say that I want to propose and support and persuade people that the driving age in all 50 of the United States should be raised to 18 years old mm-hmm. and that no 16 or 17-year-old should be allowed to drive. That's what I want to persuade. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I say that right up front, well, who's going to read this thing?
1: Well, all the all the adults, all the parents. <laughs> the,
0: the people who might possibly agree already mm-hmm. or be open to the idea. Mm-hmm. Who's going to throw it in the garbage and say, well, that's dumb?
1: The 15-and-a-half-year-old who's about <laughs> to get their license. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, and this would be true, you know, for anything. Mm-hmm. We we have our preset opinions about various issues. And when those are immediately confronted, our reaction, just human nature, is to become somewhat defensive, Right. right? So Webster's approach is to take Take the whole issue and change it into a question. So recently it has been suggested the driving age could be increased to 18. Is this a good idea? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. Now who's going to read it?
1: Everyone who wants to know whether or not you believe it's a good idea.
0: Yeah. You know, people – everyone's going to be curious to know, well, is this guy – Smart and agree with me, or is he <laughs> stupid like the other people? You know, but you're curious. Mm-hmm. So the question drives the reader to continue reading on, mm-hmm. right? And you can imagine any number of possible subjects where we have some opinion and we might be shiftable, right? But if people come out and kind of hit us too strongly, we shut down. Mm-hmm. So I can think of a few that are floating around these days. uh, The decriminalization of marijuana. The use of technology in schools. Mm -hmm. And what's appropriate there. Should students be allowed to have access to computers while taking examinations, right? So a reader might have an idea about that. But if the reader doesn't know where the writer's going, the reader's curious to find out. So that's what causes them to read on. Mm -hmm. So that's the first big shift. So I would define the argumentative essay as you tell your position right up front, and then you support it, and generally you are judged or graded on how well Mm -hmm. you support that opinion. Right. That is more of an academic exercise than something that works in the real world. Whereas a persuasive essay would not give away the position, but it would ask the question, and then it would lead the reader toward the conclusion you want them to have. So then the strategy, and if you're using the five-paragraph model, you've got three topics to work with. Mm-hmm. So there's a few different ways to do this. The The five-paragraph model would be to say, okay, introduction, ask the question, make it clear. First paragraph, introduce some facts or some evidence or some some point of information that might not necessarily support the conclusion you want people to come to. And so if you're talking about this idea of driving, you could talk about, you know, historically, uh, kids 14 and a half, 15 have been driving. It's kind of a natural part of growing up. There are benefits to families in that kids can start bringing younger siblings to places that you need to go and running errands for parents. Okay, so now the reader's not quite sure where are you going with this, mm-hmm. right? And if you if you do it well, you can kind of give that kind of maybe possibly opposing view, but put in a sliver of doubt. So the reader is like, hmm, well, I kind of agree with that, but I'm, where where is he going with this, right? And so what's the reader forced to do? Read on. Read on, right? So then maybe your next paragraph, what could work here? Uh, be kind of neutral. Be something that is uh, not directly opposing or supporting the view you want to have,
1: Maybe people long ago used to drive at a very young age.
0: Well, you could, although I was kind of thinking, I was thinking more like states' rights. Okay. Right. Sure. So, yeah. Basically, driving law is a state issue. Mm-hmm. So, to put a federal regulation on driving age would violate the precedent of states deciding at what age, you know, people can get their learner's permit, Mm -hmm. get their license, how long they have to keep their license under conditions, etc. Right. However, there are a lot of federal laws that have been enacted to supersede state laws for purposes of safety and consistency. Right. Okay. So that kind of goes both Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. State law could be in favor of one side, could also support the other side. Mm -hmm. Then you probably would hit you know, in the third paragraph, your big guns reason. And you would have to dig up some statistics that prove basically a large percentage, an inordinately large percentage of accidents happen to under 18-year-old drivers. And you would save X many number of lives. You would save this much uh, damage. The whole world would be a safer place mm. if... Teenagers were locked up all the time. No, I mean if (laughs) – so so you'd hit with the big gun's reason. So then in the conclusion, you've got people to read. You know, you've got people to read pretty much all the way because they're curious. And then in the conclusion, you would instead of restate the three topics like we would in a a basic kind of expository essay, you would restate the topics in such a way that you would discredit the con Mm -hmm. and then reaffirm the pro. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now – What's interesting about the persuasive essay model is in many cases it could kind of be flipped. Okay. Right? So if you wanted to argue for a younger driving age, well, then you could put the the statistics regarding safety as the reason against and then the convenience and benefits as the reason for. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've done, done this for- a few times. Flip an essay and then people can see how you would, you would do that you would order the topics of the body paragraphs according to you know no support minimal support most support right or opposing view neutral view strongest reasons for
1: and that's a great skill if you're doing com- competitive debate
0: oh well the debaters do really well with this cuz they have to right? right i mean they they may have a case and this is how we want to reform the North Atlantic Treaty Organization or something. Mm -hmm. And so they'd go into a round affirmative, Mm -hmm. arguing for this. And then they might go into the next round and have to go negative against another team running almost the identical affirmative case. And so they have to learn then to rally evidence for or against in this same way. The persuasive model works very well not just for essays, but for speeches as well. In fact, many years ago, I uh, talked to the mother of a young man who won the nationals in persuasive speaking mm-hmm. of the homeschool debate nationals. She said, yeah, he just used your persuasive essay model that he learned in your class and <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> worked out great. <laughs> yep. I'm sure there's a lot more to that mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the writing and the polishing and the delivery, but the basic structure is really quite effective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and you said something that made me think of what Dr. Webster says and what you often end a teaching, writing, structure, and style seminar with. And that's how we say something is more important than what we say.
0: In many cases, it does seem that that is unfortunately true.
1: So I've misquoted that. Can you say it correctly? Well, the,
0: the way it happened was I'd been teaching this thing for years, all the structure and style and the mechanics. And as some of the listeners know, I don't have a background in English. I'm a music teacher by mm-hmm. primary profession. So, you know, people would, they'd come and say, well, we, we like your stuff. You know, it looks good. It probably worked. But, you know, there's always the but. Mm-hmm. When does the content of the composition become more important than the structure and style? Like what grade level should we start worrying about that? Mm-hmm. And so um, I asked Webster one year, I said, so, you know, people are bugging me. When does content become more important than structure and style? Like high school? No. Senior in high school? Senior thesis? No. Well, obviously in the university, no. Well, okay, what what are you trying to say here? And that's when he said to me, well, a good idea, poorly presented, isn't as powerful as a bad idea well presented. Mm -hmm. Or you could flip it and say a bad idea well presented could be more powerful than a good idea poorly presented. Mm -hmm. And history proves this. It's interesting right now, I'm listening to a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, right. And I'm at the part in the story where it's the buildup to, you know, the the absolute control of Hitler. Mm -hmm. So it was pre-war rise of the Nazi party in Germany and the the author does a very good job of kind of explaining how the people got duped in right essentially by the structure and style that Hitler and the Nazis and the Third Reich and this whole idea of a new Germany and a birth of German strength and and power was so seductive mm-hmm. and so many people you know even inside the churches were were essentially drawn into what became perhaps one of the worst mm-hmm. ideas ever yeah. in history and and there are a few other examples i think we could find so that's when i started you know at the end of the seminar saying that's why what we're doing is so important because what we need is our kids to have the the good ideas and the ability to present them well Otherwise, the bad guys can present bad ideas well. And then what happens? Right. So so that uh, that persuasive essay, I think, is uh, it's not just a good exercise. It actually can be very useful. Mm-hmm. And, of course, one of the dangers is if you teach teenagers to argue well <laughs>
1: yes. and be
0: persuasive, they will use it against you. <laughs> yes, yes. And they'll say, now, mom. What you said is not quite right because of this, this, and this, and this. And what I said actually is because of this and this. And therefore, you should let me do what I want to do.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) They're going to argue anyway. Might as well do it well.
1: Exactly. So I know that one of the things that you were very mindful of when you were doing the Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style second edition, second version of it, is, of course, you've learned so much over the years. But you wanted to be sure that this was the basic course. You didn't want to give the teachers too much information and overwhelm them. But you have more advanced essay models that you talk about in the high school essay intensive. Yes. So I'd love for you to spend some time talking sure. about that. Well,
0: and we, we put the schema for them mm-hmm. in the TWSS as well. And so essentially it's the idea of a, a theme and variations. The five-paragraph essay model becomes a theme. Once you know that, once you have it, then you can kind of play with it. Mm-hmm. So, one of the ways you can play with it is to add some topics and make a longer essay. Mm-hmm. So, rather than three reasons or three causes or three aspects or three t- parts of, right, you could have four or five body paragraphs, thus expanding your essay into six or seven paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And that's a very easy shift. Generally, everyone gets it pretty quickly. They might moan about having to do more.
1: Seven paragraphs. (laughs) Um, One of the things,
0: and I see you're holding the handout for the high school essay intensive. Yes. It's an idea that I introduce in the TWSS course in unit four, which is length dictates structure. Right. And this is just so valuable, Mm -hmm. so valuable. In fact... I think this is perhaps the one thing if everyone could take into other classes, high school, dual enrollment, college, university classes, if this one concept, if they could carry this on, it would help them so much, Mm -hmm. which is length will help you determine the structure. Mm -hmm. Once you have planned a structure, once you know how long and thereby how many paragraphs you want, Then you can figure out all sorts of stuff very easily like how many topics do you need or do you need subtopics off a topic or Mm -hmm. do you need to expand that thing into a super essay so you can get 12 or more paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of the things I teach in the high school essay intensive is this idea of, okay, you're going to get a length. If you're lucky, it will come to you in a number of paragraphs but most teachers are doing number of words, number of pages, even number of characters. Mm -hmm. But I'd say the most common would be number of pages. So how do you translate number of pages into number of paragraphs? And so I teach this. It requires a little bit of math. Mm -hmm. So if you know a certain number of pages, well, how many words will that be? Okay. So you paste in a bunch of text, you format it according to the The style guide of the school or the class or whatever. It's usually something like Times Roman 12 point Microsoft Word, default margins, double space, MLA format, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you just see, okay, so how many words fit on a page? Okay, then the next thing you would do is figure out how many paragraphs, right, that you need. So now you know you need X number of words, you need to figure out Y paragraphs. So what's the math there?
1: Well, first you have to figure out how long your paragraphs are.
0: Exactly. You need to know your personal average. Now, that varies. And I say to the kids, you know, I could give you all the same assignment with Mm -hmm. the exact same, you know, outline of information, the exact same checklist. I give you all the exact same assignment. And in any given room, there's probably a variable of 100%. You know, some kids would do it in 80 words and some kids would do it in 160 words. And I always say, you know, short is not better than long. Long is not better than short. It's kind of your personality. You know, are you a, here's the facts, this is all we need to know, let's get on with life kind of person? Or are you a, well, let's just tell everything we can tell about everything because everything is just so interesting (laughs) kind of person, you know? One is not better than the other. The world values both Mm -hmm. in different ways, in Mm -hmm. different situations. Uh, What you need to know is what's your... Tendency. What's your personal average?
1: Do you know I did this exact assignment in one of my MBA classes? Uh-huh. And it, what I was assigned was a five-page paper. Uh-huh. So I did the math and uh-huh. it came up to be a super essay. Only I grossly underestimated my paragraph. Off length. Length. and. Fifteen pages later, I thought I have no idea what I can possibly cut out. So.
0: Oh, so you you did the figure out how many words, but you didn't know your personal average.
1: Well, I thought I on did. paragraphs. I you must you have did. been particularly concise in that one class, but uh-huh. then in this class, I guess I was that tell everything you need to know about. I think employee hiring or something.
0: I see. Well, I it does in a certain way. It's going to depend on how much information you do have. Right. And also to what degree do you care about that? Mm, that's true. You know, so I would guess that if I wrote some paragraphs on why kids using pens is better than kids using pencils, I would probably write a whole lot more than I would on different uses for fishing lures. <laughs> right. right. I mean, just knowledge and interest. <laughs> right. But it does average out over time. Mm-hmm. And so if you know your average, you can do the math. Mm-hmm. Then when you translate it into number of paragraphs, okay, you need five, you need six, you need seven, you need eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 50, right? Yep. We have a myriad of models that will give you a method, <laughs> had to fit in the third, <laughs> third one there, so that you can meet the needs of the assignment. Mm-hmm. You can match that. So many kids though, they don't have this, and they just start writing, and then they're trying to either get enough or they write for a while and they've got way too much, and, and that takes so much reorganization. Yep. Uh, whereas what we see with our students is, okay, you know the number of paragraphs. Now you know exactly how many topics. Now you know how many facts per topic to collect mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. If you're a shorter, more concise person, add a few more facts. Mm-hmm. If you are long-winded because you have a lot to say, Don't put so much in your outline. You'll be fine. So that would be the first one is the expanded essay. Uh, So if you need six or seven paragraphs, you can just add one or two topics. Then in Webster's system, there's the next jump, which is to the super essay, Mm -hmm. which by its structure is a minimum of 12. So there is kind of the problem well, what do you do between Eight and tw- and eleven, mm-hmm. right? And this is where uh, I found this idea elsewhere, uh, and that would be to add paragraphs without adding topics. Okay. Right. And and that essentially means you're going to have more than one paragraph about one or more of the topics. Mm-hmm. And so you have you you pull. I call it in the in the high school essay intensive. You pull the subtopic trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you take one topic, only you make it into two paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Each paragraph has to have a slightly different focus, but those two paragraphs don't have to be listed in the introduction. Oh, okay. Because you couldn't really write 10 paragraphs and say, I will now tell the eight things about this and then have eight different topics. That's too much. Nobody can handle it. But you could still have four or five topics, Mm -hmm. and then you could have, say, two paragraphs about one aspect Mm -hmm. of that. So. Uh, An easy example would be if you're writing about a person, Mm -hmm. and one of the topics is his or her childhood. You could say, okay, so we have enough information about this person's childhood, and so we could uh, divide it into two aspects. So Mm -hmm. there'd be childhood home life, Mm -hmm. and then maybe childhood school or education, right? Or it could generally be early life, home life, education, and those those would be kind of the same topic, early life, but you're writing two paragraphs about it. Right. So in the introduction, you just say early life, mm-hmm. and then you would want a nice transition right, between the two. So uh, in addition to all the things she learned at home, she attended a great school. Mm-hmm. Okay, boom, the next thing about the school. So pulling that subtopic trick can increase your size. So if you had, technically, if you had five topics, and you did a subtopic trick with each of those five, that would give you 10 body paragraphs, introduction, conclusion, you'd 12, be at 12.
1: Which would be the same as a super which essay. Which
0: would be an intersection there where you could use a different model. Okay. Then right. the super essay is, of course, very convenient because you you can have a big thing you're writing about mm-hmm. and divide it into two parts, two areas, is the term I've tried to use consistently. Mm-hmm. So if you're writing about a war, right, how could you divide that war into two areas? Well, you could talk about the causes and the effects. Mm-hmm. Or you could talk about, you know, the good guys who won and the bad guys who lost. <laughs> or you could talk about land battles mm-hmm. and then sea battles. Or you could talk about the brilliant generals. You could talk about the blundering generals, right? Mm-hmm. So you could, you could look for that division. Mm-hmm. The super essay model, I think, works particularly well for issues. Mm-hmm. So if you had a big issue like mm-hmm. uh, human cloning or, or death penalty or decriminalization of marijuana, mm-hmm. right, you, you could have one whole essay that would address the arguments for or against mm-hmm. and then another whole essay that would address the opposing view. Now, this wouldn't be particularly the persuasive model in the same way, it'd be more of a, hey, let's look at both sides of this. And then in the conclusion, you would probably argue that the reasons for outweigh the reasons against or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, is an excellent model for the upper high school student juniors and seniors. They can do these super essays on on current issues or historical issues. And uh, then you could expand one or both of those essays accordingly. So if you had five plus five, then a super introduction, a super conclusion, that would start you at 12. Right. That's the minimum for the super essay model. But you could pull the add a topic trick. Mm -hmm. So you could be up to, say, seven plus seven, Mm -hmm. be 14 plus super intro, super conclusion, 16. And if you needed to, you could pull subtopics in there and get yourself up into the 20s. If you needed to. The other way to get into 20 paragraphs would be to do the super duper (laughs) essay where you would start with a minimum of 5, 10, 15, three entire five paragraph essays plus the super intro super conclusion for 17 and then add a topic Mm -hmm. or two in each of those. In that case, you would take your big subject, whatever it is, divide it into three areas, write three different essays about each of those areas and then tie it together. Mm-hmm. The challenge of the super and the super-duper model is to be on guard for redundancies. Right, you You do have to have multiple introductory material and concluding material, so you want to be careful that you're not repeating things, especially not in exactly the same way.
1: Because the super-duper essay has... Three, no, four introductions. Right. And four conclusions. conclusions.
0: Yeah, the super intro and then the intro to each of the three essays mm-hmm. and the conclusion to each of the three and the super conclusion. So, mm-hmm. you know, but that's a lot of that's a lot of paragraphs. It's a lot of paragraphs. But the thing that's so nice and, you know, if you if our listeners have the teaching writing instruction style, there's a great little schematic mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. that shows how you could write a 17 paragraph biographical essay. I think Thomas Jefferson right. is the example. Mm-hmm. And when you see it all laid out on one page, yep. it just becomes so manageable. Yep. It's like, oh, okay. So yeah. I just make this little schematic, and then I just write one paragraph about each of those things. And the, the one thing we should squeeze in here, because we didn't talk about it in the previous session on Unit 8, but mm-hmm. I want everyone to consider, I have found... That if the students will write their essay from the inside out, mm-hmm. it always comes out better. Mm-hmm. Meaning, write the body paragraphs first, then write the conclusion, then finish with the introduction. Then, whether you're writing expository essay, whether you're writing argumentative essay and you need to you know make a thesis, or whether you're writing a persuasive essay, you want to frame the question, you give the background information, you know what you've written. So now you can choose appropriate information and ways to phrase things without being disconnected or redundant in in a way that might happen if you wrote the first part first and then just kept going to the end.
1: Yes, because if you wrote the first part first without knowing what you're going to say, chances are you're going to change your mind about what you're going to say and have to rewrite the first part. And have to
0: rewrite anyway. And then the other uh, reason is if you look at the essay model, the very first thing that you want to do is that attention-getting device. Think of something clever. <laughs> so, you know, kids procrastinate till the day before it's due and they sit there at the keyboard and going, okay, in order to write this essay, the first thing I have to do is think of something clever. I can't think of anything clever. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't start until I think of something. Right. And so that uh, that starting in the middle where you're working with the content, you've got outlines, you know what you're writing about, mm-hmm. that can help you get past a potential for a writer's block kind of right. situation.
1: Well, I love talking about Unit 8. I love talking about the advanced models for several reasons. One is it really helped me train my own boys when I was homeschooling them. It helped me in my master's program, graduated with high honors because I knew how to write. Thank you, boss. But I also love that for those teachers who look at our method, who look at our system and say, oh, this is so easy. This is mm. so babyish. I need to do real writing. Well, the truth is we get there and we get there in plenty of time for the students to have the confidence to be able to tackle the real writing and have success. Yeah, I love that.
0: And we've seen it again and again. Absolutely. Kids do this, you know, middle school, high school, go off to college. They just write a paper. Yep. And the professor's like, did you really write this? Yes. <laughs> Where'd you learn how to do this? Can I just show this to everyone yes. so they know how to do this too?
1: Can so. I have your writing teacher come in and teach the rest of the class? Which <laughs> I did. You came and taught a group of my peers in the MBA. Oh, program. yes, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> that was very good. fun. So, well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudwa and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.